Around the NFL Podcast. Has never exchanged sandwiches, but would for the right sponsor. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. Listen, the people... People got takes. Uh, Some people called it the Great Betrayal when Greg skipped out of the show at the end. But I think there's two things, Mark, that people need to keep in mind. Number one, and this is the most important thing, Greg came back. Okay? I'm not saying it doesn't mean we don't have to break bread anymore, but Greg came back. Number two, there were children involved and a responsibility. And that's where it gets a little murky. But where do you come down with uh, some time to really think it over 72 hours later, Mark? I mean, I wouldn't say I've really softened um, my stance from what I spoke about and what you spoke about on the show. I do think that... um, the listeners uh, are, are seem almost to strongly side with Greg's um, parenting mm. decision here. I, I've noticed a lot of brushback. And in general, we I think, Dan, we get a lot of, you know, you guys are too hard on Greg or you don't stand up to Greg enough. It's like, well, you know, we're in a, an awkward place. In this case, I think that breaking bread and <laughs> circling back to discuss this issue um, might still make sense. I'm not going to soften my stance or move off of where I've um, attached to on this issue. I did Thank get you. a note. I haven't. I, I did want to go back and listen to it. Haven't yet, but I want to. Um, but uh, I <laughs> did hear that, that Mark times. that Mark is uh, extra was extra salty these days. That was a comment from from a, a friend. I, I was like, well, it does make sense for Mark to kind of let any um, like internal thoughts he has about me filter it through this idea while I'm not there. Feels like on brand, you know. I don't think I was um, necessarily guiding the ship, though, Dan. I was just, sort, you know, I was seeing where Dan was coming from. Listen, like I was, no, yeah. I was Dan Rather, boots on the ground in Vietnam. Right. Uh, just what, trying you're to saying take my priorities are out of whack or something? I mean, this is no, been I a think time that we've I had all a, summer. We've had, I think it's a naughty summer. issue. I think uh, there's a lot of uh, ins and outs and what have you is involved here. And um, it's a tough situation, but I'm glad you came back. I mean... What we need to do is we need to get another driver's license in that house. But I don't know if you want to have that conversation on the podcast. No, I don't. Um, well, <laughs> starting a starting a podcast on time would it would also help. That would be good. Like we're always starting at hands us o'clock. Um, it's about seven. You're after, out. I love it. <laughs> seven after the hour. <laughs> that's all. All that time. That's not me relaxing on the couch. That's that's me trying to put together the best show. And sometimes it goes over. To tugboat time, and I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but anyway, we're still together. People we are. thought, by the that way, I, the I, about those uh, sandwich we, that we would exchange for a sandwich endorsement. Apologies to uh, a listener named Doug Chin. Uh, I found some coupons he sent us for sandwiches <laughs> uh, for the 2015 Super Bowl while I was cleaning out my desk <laughs> in Culver. Didn't we didn't use those? So you gave us a nice gift. I wish we had done it in San Francisco. Um, I think they've expired at this point. Um, I would imagine it was a really nice thought. It was a great yeah. thought. Very nice. And I was actually in Culver um, for the first time, our home office, in 18, 24 months, whatever it's been, and um, 18 months. And I picked up our Sharon AFL, Australian uh, Rules Football, and I have it behind me. So all you Aussie listeners out there, Oz is in um, the garage right now. That was from our our friend Tristan, one of the earliest... um, loyal fans from down under and i you know i went to the office and i was there for i am not kidding maybe three and a half minutes the only things um in possession on my desk were of an ancient photo of my children they look like they were from years ago <laughs> and, an, and a notebook of film notes from like ni- 2019 that's all i took home with me i would guess that the photos were from years ago well, they had to be they weren't current but yeah that's you know that's how that works i guess <laughs> um all right it's Monday. The true start of the season for me, it's not the Hall of Fame game. It's not the Canton uh, inductions, which, by the way, we're going to dig into a little bit with our Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame correspondent, Nick Shook. The Yummy. pipe. He's going to be here. He was, he was boots on the ground, Dan Rather style, in Canton this weekend, uh, where they inducted both the 2020 and the 2021 class. We're going to talk to Nick about what he saw and heard there. Um, 
But also coming up, Seth Payne. He is boots on the ground in Houston during a very odd time in Texans history. And we're going to get the latest on Deshaun Watson and the mess going on down there in Houston. Full show. But what I was going to say, and I lost the train of thought, and now it's back, All right. is that, no, it's not Canton. It's not the Hall of Fame game. It is the premiere of Hard Knocks tomorrow, Ooh, Tuesday. That's okay. when the season begins, uh, at least for the old Zooster. Um, so check that out on Tuesday. And Tuesday nights, my recaps go up. Um, Football is back. Get ready for that. It is now happening. The train is on the tracks, and it's going full speed ahead, whether Sessler's on it or not. I'm on it. Like, I have nowhere else to be. So, I mean, just I'll, I'll ride with you. There is a fair amount of anxiety the minute Hard Knocks starts, because you're right. The, 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 the machine is just, it's not stoppable at that point. No, Hang on. it is not. Also not stoppable. The news right now. The fact that, that I had to go outside in New Orleans from the ages of when I was 10 to 14 in the summer on our front street wearing a sweatshirt filled with pillows up and down my sleeves and my chest so I could catch passes from you when it come in totally bruised and in pain for days after uh, all those times. Is that If that is not mentioned in your speech, and I'm not personally thanked for that. I'm going to be a little, you know, a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> thought about Chris Wessling, thought about Mark Sessler, and all the other people that don't really like the Manning Brothers sense of humor. I don't think that thought it was a little bit overrated. But you know what? I love these goofy dudes, and uh, Eli uh, talking about what it was like growing up with a athlete of Peyton's uh, pedigree coming up through his teen years. And by the way, doesn't that sound actually um, really cruel? And I, I had a little brother, uh, Kevin Danger Hansis. Um, and yeah, you get a little rough with your brother, but the idea to send him outside and be throwing this projectile at him over and over again and, and knowing it could hurt him to the point where you're putting protection underneath his uh, shirt and he comes back with bruises and in pain, like and that's pretty hardcore. And it's 95 to 100 degrees and about 70% right. humidity in the summer there. That that should not be overlooked. You don't want to go outside at all, much less to go outside with pillows inside you. Man, that's, that's brother on brother stuff, though. I remember my I have a brother, Eric. and uh, Eric Danger Sessler. Eric Danger Sessler. I'm not sure that's the middle name. But um, he when he was young enough to be wearing like footsie pajamas, I, you know, we'd get up very early in the morning and I'd fill from his entire pajamas with Legos, like little tiny sharp Lego pieces, and then walk him upstairs to my parents' bedroom him around 6 30 in the morning with it zipped up to the top and he couldn't move and it hurt because you got sharp lego pieces this story makes no i don't know why i told the story but <laughs> brothers do strange things to each other and that seems like a fitting thing for the manning brothers to do and i also by the way i don't think i don't like their humor when they're scripted this stuff that they do i think they're going to be great doing that little broadcast version of football of the football games because i think they are good together they are funny i don't like the scripted mid-career peyton manning business that to me was nonsensical They've they've renamed that broadcast, by the way, on ESPN um, two or whatever. Uh, it is now just called the broadcast that is going to make Steve Levy crazy. <laughs> I knew it. This is so on your radar. How could they? How pissed off are those other ESPN announcers? No, I'm going to watch. Hey, them, they're still no paid. one's going to watch them. I get it, but it's like, hey, hey, career achievement. You got Monday Night Football. Oh, by the way, like we're going to get a way bigger draw and put you on the our other channel. I, all right, there is a chance. There is a chance that the Manning Brothers broadcast takes off, assuming they don't get overly cute and Rob Riggles in the booth and Anthony Anderson. Oh, you can't go and to other Rob Riggles, Disney no. ABC yeah. properties. Like, yeah, I mean, assuming that doesn't happen, which is a big assumption, and assuming that it's as good as we think it hypothetically could be, and then assuming that the um, the viewing habits of the NFL viewing public is going to want to seek out a secondary broadcast. I think it's still going to be far and away uh, the ESPN telecast gets the most eyeballs and ears. But uh, sure. you're right. I mean, I'll buy that. But there's but a siphoning of the audience potentially it. here. I get that. The hype, maybe Levy. The buzz, maybe Levy's you know, uh, egoless. Ultimately, it, maybe it's he's like. A, um, who is it? Richard Deitch in the Athletic. He's going to be writing like the week one recap about the Manning brothers and just uh, <laughs> Brian Greasy somewhere stewing. I don't know what, like, if I was in Levy's position as the lead play-by-play guy 
for Monday Night Football, I'd be like, that's great with the Manning brothers. I just, for me, it's about growing the game. And the more people that watch it, it doesn't matter if they're watching me or listening to me. It's people watching the game because that's, that's what how I'm you feel, or that's how ultimately. you think Steve. That's Levy what I would feels. be like. Yeah, that's, you'd be that selfless. No, you yeah, would. Be, you would have like a bow and arrow. Like you would. Yeah, please. You would have someone completely taken out if they got in your way there. Let's be real. <laughs> Saquon Barkley's back in practice for the New York Giants, and thank goodness this comes off the news late last week, reported by Rap Sheet on NFL Network that Saquon could be out of action till as late as week three of the regular season for the Giants, but also with the window open that he could be there for week one as well. So it's still a fluid situation, uh, but it was reported uh, throughout social media on Monday that Barkley uh, is expected to start practicing this week, and he's going to come off the pup list as early as Monday. I don't know if that's happened. It's happened. He's doing individual drills. Okay, great. That's it. So there you go. So Barkley is officially now on the path to get back onto the field. We still don't know his availability for the start of the season, but this feels like, Greg, a step in the right direction. It is, but I, Ian's report late last week that he'll be back by at least week three to me was a bigger story because doing some individual drills a month out is it's a step. I think it was you know part of the plan, but it's pretty far away from you know a full load of work and the fact that they're already thinking about this a solid month in advance um i you know i think raises real questions as does the fact that saquon barkley wants a new contract and i i think that is absolutely part of the equation here and it it gets complicated i think the giants want to sign him long term and i i think he might want to make sure he's 100% healthy before he hits the field again if he's not uh, taken care of long-term. I mean, he has been, you know, they said he's looked impressive running, sprinting, cutting. He was leading certain drills. Um, yes, I mean, it's, you know, the whole reporting around it is suspicious. I don't think the contract thing, I, that only makes sense. Um, I, it's a kind of a tough, you know, figure to put on Saquon Barkley to decide what you're signing him for and for how long. He's missed 17 that- games over two seasons. Why does that make sense? Like, why would he have any leverage in a contract negotiation right now? I don't why think he that? has leverage. So, what is what's the point then if he has no leverage? They're, I, I don't know if been I buy ta- that. The reports are that the they've been talking that the Giants are interested in in getting him long term, and you could just imagine though he's at this point where he would maybe be a little apprehensive because if he did suffer another injury, you know, then he's in big trouble. I'm just like, and if you get if you're him and you can get the contract beforehand. That would be great. I don't know. Does, You're right. I don't know if they will. The Giants, do we want to do a long-term deal with the running back whose knee just blew up? Saquon, do I want to sign a deal when I'm coming off an injury where it's affecting how I'm viewed uh, in terms of how valuable? I don't know. Might not be the optimal time for him to be pitching his skills. Corey uh, Clement uh, might be you know, the, the leader in the clubhouse here for week one touches. Uh, it, it's supposedly the for, this former Super Bowl hero has looked a little better than... Um, who is it, Devontae Freeman, who's in there. But these injuries, like them coming back, it's like, okay, they're back on the field, but OBJ is another one. You know, he's not in our news, end, but there's no reason to be concerned about OBJ, but he's not fully practicing. Just because he's looked great in all these Instagram videos, it's like they're taking it slowly. He's going every, every other day. It's not 11 on 11s. Like there are steps in this. Like I think you can wonder if OBJ will be at full complement of snaps week one. Like, just because they're on the field, I guess, is it, to me, is not a, an idea that they're going to really be all the way back. All right. In other news, let's talk some money. We'll start with Josh Allen. This happened last week. The Bills signed their star quarterback to a six-year, $258 million extension. That includes $150 million guaranteed. So he's kind of right in that window. Patrick Mahomes still the top of the mountain, as he should be. Dak Prescott, who got that huge deal earlier this year. So he's right in between those dudes. Josh Allen, just 25 years old, coming off a season where if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go nuts last year, Allen's probably the reigning MVP right now. Uh, Mark, uh, this just makes a lot of sense. And it also, for quarterbacks looking for a contract, it continues to shape the market for what a star quarterback is worth and where everyone else falls beneath that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, one thing I I really love about football is that you know, in one year's time, we can feel so different about players. And, you know, I think that Josh Allen was one of the more polarizing prospects 
um, at quarterback that we've ever seen. Certain scouts going absolutely nuts for him. Um, the analytics community, like, essentially were mostly down on him. Um, there were outliers there, but, you know, I think even just football watchers, some people looked, took the early seasons of Josh Allen and thought, this guy obviously is athletically gifted and freaky, but there's just certain things that quarterbacks need to do that he's not able to do. And I think he went and put so much work into his game. And I look at also Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, this, the, the absolute loyalty they showed towards him. It reminds me of the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. It's like, he is going to be our quarterback. We're going to make this work. Josh Allen, they have never questioned on any level, despite all the doubters. Um, they built a really nice offense around him. The contract makes complete and total sense. And kind of looking at how it breaks down, because it does get more complex for the Bills, who've been so aggressive in their team building, after next season, because he makes $10 million this year, he makes $16 million next year. That still gives you a solid you know, next year window to make moves and, you know, position for the Super Bowl. But then after that, his pay puts you in the position of one of those teams that has, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks. It's harder to maneuver. That said, I love it. I love it for Josh Allen. He's one of the best stories in the league. Good job by the Bills. You keep calling out, you know, the doubters of Allen. And I just want you to say my name. I just can't say, get you to do it. Just say I don't. More. I just it's don't okay. think. I don't think, Greg, that you were like the only. I think it is more a community no, of people the only that were one, down. But on I was him, aggressive so. about it on this show. Well, so, I mean, if I call you out about something that you've you know been faulty on, you could turn around and name probably seventy or eighty on me, and I know the way you operate is you probably have like a written See, down list Greg, of things. Stop. You, know. you have to. Greg, I don't mind. I'm be, wrong all listen, the time. Listen, let me be. Let me be the guy just kind of in between here. If we've reached a stage where Mark's afraid to criticize you because That's you're going to come back at him, maybe we just need to reevaluate some things about the relationships here. I think we need That's to have a, that dinner well, like we were problem. talking about. I mean, him. I'm going to be wrong a million times, and I'm going to honk when I'm right. So, look, Josh Allen would have gotten a lot of draft Twitter fired. I don't really consider myself part hey, of draft Twitter. Fuck you, Greg. Thank you, uh, Money. Like, I like that feeling. Uh, come at me. Uh, I thought Rosen, that was a year where I did go and – watch the stuff and like like a lot of people i liked rosen better than josh allen so if if draft twitter was actually running a team and and they happen to be up with the 10th pick um they would have gotten fired because they would have taken josh rosen who i think might see his career end this month he's losing to nate sudfeld for the number three quarterback spot in 49ers i don't know if he's gonna get him i don't know if he's gonna get another chance meanwhile you know, Lamar's won an MVP and, and Allen and, ba- you know, Baker's going to get his contract and Allen's gotten this this money. Uh, we couldn't have been more wrong. Anyone who thought Josh Rosen was better than Josh. It's a, I mean, it's such a crapshoot. I remember right. the year before um, or heading into last season at the Combine, someone that's hugely respected in the draft uh, industrial complex saying to us, oh, yeah, the guy to watch out and stay away from is Herbert. And Justin Herbert was one of the greatest right. rookies in NFL history. Quarter. It, it just, Dar- it such Darnold, a Darnold was taken ahead of Sam Darnold. ahead of uh, Josh Allen. I do think the contract structure is just worth pointing out. I've gotten less into this over time, but I think it's interesting. These guys are taking these long deals, and okay, it's basically five for one sixty four. Once you break it down, once we got all the details, you know, before the Bills could potentially get out of it. So that's like a big commitment. That's essentially guaranteed that he's getting that 164, which is huge. And that's great. That's why Josh Allen would take it. But per year, that's only, you know, 31, 32. Like he's going to be underpaid sooner than later. And both he and Mahomes made the decision, we're going to give up leverage long term and kind of let the Chiefs and Bills control our entire careers because we're going to sign such long contracts versus what Kirk Cousins did and Dak Prescott, to a lesser degree, did and take these shorter deals. If you want to make the most amount of money, the Cousins and Dak routes actually is the way to go. If you want to make sure you're all good and you're and you're happy with your team and you're going to be happy them kind of controlling your situation for basically your whole career, go the Mahomes-Allen route. It's just two different routes to go. I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. In other contract news, Xavier Howard is not going anywhere. The 2020 NFL interceptions leader uh, restructured his deal with the Dolphins, um, adds $3.5 million uh, in incentives and guarantees. Uh, also, the Dolphins waived the nearly $100,000 in fines for skipping minicamp. I thought that was something that can't be done. I don't understand how this the stuff mini works. The minicamp, you can't. The training camp, the, the training camp you cannot waive those, Dan. 
and the mini camps right. you can. Okay, so that's why he did his little camp. holding is, okay. by, so by rule. There. So there Thank you, you go. for clarifying that. Anyway, so he gets a little bit of a raise. It makes him happy, and voila, he's back at practice um, after sitting out the last couple of days with an ankle injury. So there you go. Xavier Howard's back, and also Darius Leonard, the star linebacker for the Colts, signed a five-year, ninety-nine point two five million dollar extension that takes him through twenty twenty-six. Over fifty million of that is guaranteed. He's the highest-paid off-ball linebacker in the league, beating out what Fred Warner just got with the 49ers. He should go Xavier Howard now. Fred Warner be like, "I'm not playing for the Niners <laughs> until they make me richer than him." Uh, anyway, so Leonard gets paid and a huge, huge uh, victory for the entire Colts um, organization. I mean, take a second rounder, and then all of a sudden the next contract you give him is a superstar contract. You did something very right in your draft preparation. Well, in that same draft, too, they drafted Braden Smith, who was a right tackle, who played guard in college. They moved him to tackle, and they gave him a monster contract two weeks ago. So those are major wins. It's been a tough month for the Colts. Um, but those are those are two major wins for them. And Quentin Nelson is is next up. They have a lot a lot all the bills are kind of coming due for how well the, the Colts have drafted, but those are those are good problems to have. I think it's just a, a reminder that like Chris Ballard is a premier GM who has been through so What's much your favorite type of frog in a short amount of time. You got the luck retirement. You have the you know, hiring Josh McDaniels, then he backs out. You've got what's happened at quarterback since, what's happening the this month. The luck injury, too. They, he missed the whole, All, you know, right. there was a whole it's, thing they had to deal with before the retirement, even. I mean, yeah. it's been like five or six years of quarterback turmoil there, and they continue to be a good team. I mean, what they're dealing with right now, might the floor might fall out for this season. We'll see. Howard, by the way, I do want to mention, like, he... It was kind of like the Aaron Rodgers deal. It was cosmetic. They gave him a little incentives. That was nice. They guaranteed a little bit of his money next year, but, I mean, he was going to be on the team next year. Anyways, unless something crazy happens. And they gave him this verbal agreement. That's the thing that is interesting to me, that they'll revisit it, assuming his performance and injury status doesn't fall off. And it's kind of what the Packers did with Rodgers. I guess I'm just curious how this like verbal agreement, we're going to revisit thing Yeah, I'd be careful with out. that. I haven't As seen As a player, that. I'd be careful with that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's something that very easily a team will walk away from if it doesn't uh, help them on some level. All right, 8 o'clock to light. The Athletic reports that T.J. Watt staging a hold-in at training camp until he gets a contract extension. He's turning 27 in October, one of the best defensive linemen in the league, Greg. Uh, he wants to get paid. The hold-ins, they're taking off. This was such a quiet one. Stefan Gilmore on the PUP list, also quietly, I think, having his own hold-in. So I think some money is going to need to happen for either one of these players to get back on the field. Cornerback C.J. Henderson could be on the move. ESPN reports that multiple team executives believe the Jaguars are shopping the cornerback. He was the ninth overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, Mark. Yeah, I just it's a reminder. I think Urban Meyer clearly has his types of guys, and um, it's happening with D.J. Chark a little bit, too. He didn't like his body the way he was sort of a little too light. I think with this, there is uh, a reporter down there, Eugene Fournette, who basically tweeted that when he was, when Jaguars coaches last year were exiting town, fired well someone said watch out for cj anderson off the field i think there's something else going on here beyond beyond just his talent in other jaguars news urban meyer said dj shark had surgery on what was deemed a minor break in his hand come on greg minor breaks in a hand for a wide receiver no such thing they say they say he'll be back week one i i believe that but when i start reading the camp hype about laquan treadwell looking good uh filling in that's a little it's a little concerning Will Lutz is going to miss the start of the regular season with a groin injury. Tough news in the old kicker club. No further comment. <laughs> 11 Saints that were starters to end last year might not be starters this year. That's that's a big number. 11. Uh, and finally, Lamar Jackson, non-committal on uh, getting the vaccine after receiving or getting COVID for the second time. He's not ready yet. He needs to learn more facts. Some of these quarterbacks taking these stances. It's our, yeah, Cam Newton's another one. Jackson also uh, had significant symptoms for the second time because he talked about how it was it was pretty brutal first time around, and John Harbaugh intimated it was pretty brutal this time around too, which is crazy. But he's still learning. He wants to learn more. Who could teach him? Who could possibly teach the man? 
I don't know. Maybe back to a doctor. And Kirk Cousins is back also. As, did you guys say that? Well, he is. And he he actually um, he ruminated to the assembled media, hey, maybe I could build a plexiglass, a little Kirk world around my body so I won't get COVID. Maybe he or can wear you get that. get the shot, bro. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he could wear that on the field. He, he struggles with pressure. Have a nice little plexiglass thing around him. Could you do that on Sundays? That would be, I, I don't think that would be allowed, Greg, that if you're asking that seriously. <laughs> I'm just so, like, exhausted by it all. And I understand here is the obligatory people get to make their own decision. I get it. Um, but don't t- don't tell me you're thinking about building plexiglass around your body in the in the quarterback room. And then also blame the team for the reason I was a close contact was because my quarterback's room was too small. So it's their fault that I got sick. Not or just that say I'm, you don't believe in it. Just, just stop stop it. hiding behind I need to do more research or that it's personal. It's not personal. This is this is a public health crisis. It's other people that, that we are concerned I about. Don't want to hear it's it's private. Ourselves. You're a public figure on a, a very public uh, – at a public workplace, a football team. All this stuff, all these guys, just be honest. I don't know why they're not being honest. You get the working. feeling. You also get the feeling that Mike Zimmer has just lost patience with the whole Kirk Cousins experience. One item, like big plexiglass. Like what a year it's been for them. I'm not happy for why it's happened, but like classrooms all over the country have like you know hundreds of meters of plexiglass. How about being our shipped newsroom? Into. Our newsroom. Our newsroom. I mean, you know, plexiglass probably doing it's all true. right all the time, but now they just exploded over the last. Why year. did you just slip into the metric system there? What was that about? What. Is this guy, oh, you lived in uh, England and you spent time in Australia? Hundreds He's like, of, oh, yeah, it, my English <laughs> days were my best days. You, you were like three. How do you, my, how do why you are you, I'm not, that? I've also not said any of that. So again, it's just, it's misquotes. It's false narratives. I am, hundreds of meters of plexiglass is something that you could say visually. That works. It's a measurement. Metric. I know, it's just unusual. Especially where we're a football podcast, you could have easily said yards. It was painful, though, watching the Olympics and, and seeing the American announcers try to convert the meters in the shot put and stuff like that. I don't know how much Olympics you watch, but it was like it was a painful exercise. It, it really made me feel like, let's go, America. At least I feel like you'd have a, like a, a, a mathematical graphic just, that would do that instantly. Why are they having to do that? Sort I don't of know. Mentally? It's a fair point. It seemed like they were doing it in their head. They're like 64. Uh, that's 62 feet. Ah, well, you know, come on. <laughs> we can handle meters. All right, so that's what's happening in the news. And now, as promised, he is the man, the myth, the legend. He is um, shaved in the head area. He is very well built physically. He's an Ohio native. So going to Canton, what a ball it must have been for the pipe. Nick Shook, who rejoins us on the Around the NFL podcast to share his adventure in Canton uh, for a big Hall of Fame weekend. What's up, Shooky? You hear that? I do. Made those noises this morning. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you yeah. feeling um, clockwork? Threatened at all, Shook? Because, you know, you're on the show. You're like, hey, I'm the big guy. I'm the strong guy on the show. Um, Seth Payne's coming on later. Uh, played at 6'4", 304 when he was in the NFL. Look, maybe there's there's he, there's know, enough room for the biggest guy. Yeah, there's enough room for big guys everywhere. It's okay. I'm I'm never threatened <laughs> because when you are a large man, you are confident in your uh, in the space that you take up and the space that you must give others. Listen Great to answer. that. Listen, that was a prepared answer. I like that. Shook. <laughs> All right, so you were boots on the ground there. I'm saying boots on the ground a lot. I'm just gonna moratorium on the boots on the ground refs by the old Zeuser in the biggest of all spots on the show for the rest of the podcast. All right, Shook. You were in attendance in Canton. It was a it was a different weekend. Give people like a Cliff's notes of why this was different uh, compared to past Hall of Fame weekends. It's, well, typically at a Hall of Fame weekend, you got a maximum of eight enshrinees, but because of COVID cancellation last year, you had a total of twenty eight this year. You had two classes, oh. and you didn't just have two classes because that number mental math. Well, why, why shouldn't that be sixteen? Well, last year they had the biggest class ever, known as the Centennial Class, to mark the NFL's 100-year anniversary, and then they didn't get to celebrate them. They used the Centennial class to get some uh, some guys who had slipped through the cracks in previous years into the Hall of Fame. Um, so as a result, I believe eight of the members um, are no longer with us. But that still left 20 to be enshrined. So they had to split that up over two days, uh, 12 on Saturday, eight on Sunday. 
the first time I believe that they've ever had a two day enshrinement. And as somebody who's been to many of these growing up just up the road from there, um, it, it was, it was strange to see Chris Berman use the same opening line two nights in a row. And it was also <laughs> strange. Cause like, that's usually like the crescendo of the weekend. And you were like, we got done with 12, which kind of felt like a marathon. <laughs> and then you got to Sunday and you're like, oh, wait, we're doing this again. You had a game on, a game on Thursday too. And you were yeah. like hanging out, you were hanging out in the little interviews and whatnot. What was yeah, the Berman yeah, yeah. line that he used twice? And do your best Berman. Uh, his his one one part of his opening line was uh, after two long years away. Well, all right, I'll say it. We're back, back, back here in Canton. <laughs> and he two did times. it, and I was like, "Oh, that's funny!" And like, I got a nice cheer. And then he did it Sunday, but like, he no. sped through it. Like, he knew. He it back. I can't believe I'm doing this twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's the all right I said it that makes it sound rehearsed. Yes, okay, exactly. All right, I'll say your it. breath, yeah. waiting for it. It's also a baseball thing, so it's a little bit. Yeah, but it's part of his brand, so I, I guess I, I understand. It's, all right, we'll it's give a Chris big, a pass. It's a He's for part of all of our childhoods. We're going to give Berman a class a pass. You're with me, leather. All right, so the, I think the headliner of the weekend was Peyton Manning, and I think um, Manning um, really. And when you, it was good to read about him this weekend because the way things. His career ended, even though he won a Super Bowl in his last season, he was such a uh, shell of his former self. But then when you go back and kind of remember, especially those Colts years and how he revolutionized revolutionized the game from the line of scrimmage and just how great he was for so many years, it was just great to uh, see Peyton Manning again. And and let's uh, cue it up um, with hearing uh, some of that, again, that Manning humor that Mark loves so much. The 2021 induction class wants to thank those previous inductees who gave long-winded acceptance speeches, forcing us to have a whopping six minutes to recap our football careers. I want to give a special thanks to my old rival, Ray Lewis, for being here tonight. Ray just finished giving his speech that he started in 2018. Bam. And then uh, Tom Brady was in attendance. Nice, classy move by Brady. Uh, these two men going back decades as great rivals. Also, Brady looking like starting to look like George Hamilton, by the way, as he gets deeper into his 40s. Uh, here is what Peyton had to say about Tommy Boy. Next year, accepted speeches will probably shrink to four minutes. And speaking of rivals, my good friend Tom Brady is here tonight. By the time he is inducted, by the time Tom Brady is inducted in his first year of eligibility in the year 2035. He'll only have time to post his acceptance speech on his Instagram account. Nailed it, Chucky. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely nailed it. The fun, my favorite part about that that uh, sequence of jokes was something we didn't get on air, but they got on the video boards at the stadium. Ray Lewis got out of his seat in reaction to uh, <laughs> the, the joke that Peyton made at his expense. It was like uh, he started walking menacingly towards. Manny no, that would have been that would have been something at WWE. He just got like up the, and like took his hat off and did the whole waving uh, and everything else. That, uh, that's my favorite thing. It reminds me of the uh, Chiefs locker room and hard knocks during the dance off. People just running all over the place. Yeah, Bernard Pollard's greatest moment. <laughs> we shook. I have to ask you real quick. I mean, you know, you were there. It's I, the thing I love about Canton. It is a great weekend. It's a great kind of primer for football in general something very pure about it but the access you can just walk around all over the place how i think tom brady uh to me is getting hotter and hotter um he looked very su- dangerously summery in that clip we just saw how close did you get to tom brady that's really the only thing i care about yeah. um hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meters away oh <laughs> okay good ref. good ref uh brady's brady's presence there um Reminding me to settle a score here on this podcast. How oh, remember on. that um, Peyton Manning Super Bowl when he was playing the Seahawks in the big conversation it was the, the centerpiece of our NFL.com that day was will this would this win cement Manning as the greatest quarterback of all time? And it's a reminder, you know, for you LeBron people out there, it's like we don't need to decide these legacy things mid career. Yeah, like, I, let's like wait till the end. You, why do you need to settle scores like this, Greg? There's I just think this is right like now because they're only one year apart. So you becoming. think of them as like different generations now. All right. It's like wait till the end of the careers and then we can have those th- discussions. That's certainly fair, Greg. That's certainly fair. But I, I think what gets forgotten because Brady is just what he's done. No hey, one's ever done before. You, Greg. Money's right again. What, what Brady's done has never been done before. And all due respect to him. And I think he is the greatest with these la- five years. But what Manning did, how he changed the position and essentially what he did 
in the late 90s and early 2000s is the template for how all quarterbacks are now. Aaron Rodgers is another example. Like, I think there's something to be said for that. Yes, the longevity isn't the same as Brady. Brady has more Super Bowl wins, but who was the more kind of important quarterback to the evolution of the position? I think that's still certainly something you could say Peyton Manning. Fair? Unfair? Hmm. I think that's I, fair. I go Brady in every category that exists ever, but I there is a debate. Dan's you just, point, you like, just finished saying how hot he is. So that <laughs> no, no, it goes beyond point, the aesthetics. I mean, no one would have even thought Brady was in the same league of, of Peyton Manning until like 2006 even, and that's when you can even start talking about them against each other. And you're right, Dan, like the – just the like the mastery of it. In a way, though, I don't know if – Manning is a symbol of like changing the position. If anything, I feel like he's the last of his kind. Like he was the court. You know, Belichick said it on that top 100 show. He playing Manning was like playing the coach, the coordinator and the quarterback in one. He's calling all his own plays. He, it is his offense. You saw that when you go to Denver, they basically just made, you know, he was the coach. Like, I don't know if there is a quarterback now. I don't think there is that has that much control. And that goes back to like Johnny Unitas. I mean, other like, than Tom Brady though. I mean, I don't. I don't even think Tom Brady ever was at the same exact level of running an offense the whole time as wow. uh, Peyton Manning was. I vastly disagree, but I really I, I respect where you're coming. I just from. think in terms of the way the coaches were, in the, in more in terms of the play calling on the field, like that was some old school Peyton Manning stuff. Yeah, you know, we we spent some time this past season marveling it, and we've done this before with Russell Wilson a few times. I think it might have been two years ago when his helmet, the radio shut off, and he just led this drive where he was calling all the plays down the field, and that was like a big deal that we made a big point of that. That was Peyton Manning on every possession of every game he played in for more than a decade. So career. Yeah, He exactly. also raised so, the bar. Uh, Manning, his dedication to his craft was – and Brady gets all the love in this category, and he deserves it as well, but Manning's dedication mm-hmm. – uh, to what he, he stayed in Indianapolis in the offseason. That's all he did. All he did was try to get better, work hard, be the coach, like Greg said, be the best player on the field, be re- totally responsible. As Wes used to say all the time, he created that skyline in Indianapolis. He was so important to that organization. So I, I don't know. I just think because Brady's, Brady's star is so bright, uh, I think it's taken away on some level what Manning represented and what he was in the league. Um, throughout the late 90s, throughout the 2000s, into the 2010s. Everybody kind of forgets because they got destroyed by the Seahawks in that Super Bowl, and that was a historic Seattle team. But how awesome Manning was when he went to Denver and had the 50 touchdown passes, 55 touchdown passes. That's incredible longevity. The fact that the wheels fell off at the end is kind of a bummer. Um, And I don't know if that's just the way the Manning brothers are built because Eli, a similar thing happened. Um, wonder if anything could have changed or he did have the neck surgery, had some serious injuries. Um, if there's any way, uh, if fates were different, maybe him and Brady are, are, are lockstep in their forties, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, what else shook in terms of, uh, the weekend stood out to you? I know it was a big weekend for the Cowboys too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to that last point though, just, just to kind of close that, that topic, um, you know, when, when writing about that on Sunday and in, in the lead up to this too, I kind of always wanted to make a point that there was a time as we just discussed that there was a debate between were you a Peyton Manning guy or you, were you a Tom Brady guy? It was those two at the top of the league and that was it. There was no other yeah, argument otherwise. Years. And, and, and I think that their legacies can coexist in the fact that they were different for the reasons that we just discussed their strengths and weaknesses and, and what made their, their legacies stronger in one area and, 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 you know, Peyton and all the stats and everything else, Tom Brady with the rings, we can go on and on. So he's got um, a strong top five or top four, whatever number you want to put on it argument, Peyton Manning. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. And his contributions to the game should not be overlooked. And I thought that it was, it was, I was surprised. Um, yeah, I talked to the president of the Hall of Fame in the lead up to this, but two weeks prior to the giant dude? weekend. Is that yeah, the guy David that's like Baker. Seven foot seven? Yeah. yeah, David Baker. Um, <laughs> that guy. And, the size of and, front door. And he told me that, you know, we were talking about the shortened speeches, how they had a time limit. And he goes, Peyton has already sent his and told me beforehand that he was writing for six minutes. And when he got up there, he was, he was very, um, he, he had like a pace to it. It was well paced. Like he was really trying to get everything in there. And it, almost as if he was a little nervous, which I, was a little surprising to me and kind of, um, uh, endearing considering the guy that he is well, he's uh, speaking in front of 17,000 people there. That's a little different when you're playing and you're in the moment, it's a little different than on a podium in such a big moment in his life. So anyway, what else uh, from the weekend? Shogi? So uh, my favorite experience the whole weekend uh, was the gold jacket dinner, which is on traditionally on Friday nights. Typically in past years, it would be, um, you know, kind of the dignitaries of Canton and some fans 
uh, would be able to buy tables and they would have meals and, and kind of be among the company of families of, uh, of, of gold jacket, you know, receiver in those, those people in the returning gold jackets. But because of COVID, it just became kind of an event that they just sat down in rows of seats but the, the lead up to it in, in this adjacent uh, area called the McKinley Room, where they basically had a cocktail hour that was about two, two and a half hours. And it was just all these Hall of Famers, one after another, and their families and friends. I mean, you want to talk about a who's who and seeing football legends of, you know, the past 50 plus years all meeting and talking. It, it was just it's a great experience to witness. I've seen it before because I volunteered doing this growing up. But um, it, it's a it was a very exclusive event and to just kind of be on the fly on the wall and and hang out, hang out in the back and, and just, you know, see these guys interacting. And, and, you know, I, I watched Ray Lewis get into an argument with Booger McFarlane and Derek Brooks is nearby eating shrimp and just laughing <laughs> in between every bite of shrimp as they're like passionately arguing about something over a buffet table. And then a few steps over, there's Tony Dungy talking to Berman. Uh, and then, you know, you look over here and it's Franco Harris talking to Alan Fanica, Jackie Slater and Orlando Pace, two Rams, great tackles, hanging out, meeting up with Isaac Bruce. You could go on and on. But my favorite moments for, from those, I think one of my favorites was, you know, Peyton Manning has a, a son and a daughter. His son's name is Marshall, and he was dressed to the nines, but he was also very focused on making the most of his first trip to Canton. He had a football, you know, one of those white Hall of Fame footballs that are made to be signed, and he covered that thing with as many signatures from Hall of Famers as he could get doing laps for almost the entirety of the event hmm. leading up to the actual gold jacket uh, ceremony. And, and it was just, it was great to watch this kid. You know, you can obviously see that he looks like his dad and, He's just walking around in his little suit, getting one signature after another and after another. And uh, it was just quite a scene. It was quite a scene. Did, did he think did you were a player, job? Shook? No. Are you yeah. kidding me? I didn't, well, hey, I, I didn't, don't, know. I don't have a gold jacket. Yeah. I don't have a gold jacket. I'm not worthy of, a, of an autograph in, in that uh, situation, nor in any other situation. But You did a great uh, job writing that up, by the way, Nick. I think anyone awesome. should, should give that a read. I do think it would be interesting um, to get some sort of a clothing type person to provide someone like me who's like five foot eight with a Hall of Fame and a totally fitted Hall of Fame jacket and walk around Canton like you totally own the place. And people are like, is that a kicker? Did he, how did this person get into this Hall? Of, like, just absolutely act like you are part of the Hall. Like, of everybody Fame. will think you're Ray Guy. That was just like, <laughs> that's what I was right. going to say. That was going to be my choice. Yeah. You would fit in. Some of the older guys. You know, gravity has its effect. Ooh. You shrink over time. Uh, not saying that you look old, but height-wise, right. stature-wise, you'd fit. Okay. You, you'd probably Paul Warfield with, played at out of that one, Shooky. I mean, um, <laughs> or, I mean, Drew Pearson rather played at 180. So I, I can imagine he's not at that now. Like he, he just finally made the Hall of Fame the great um, Cowboys receiver who started that number 88 tradition. Who's who's a big character and like. If he was 180 in his career, yeah, he he probably he's probably not too much bigger than than Mark Sessler right now. He pointed that there out he during his speech. He goes a little uh, different he, pigment, but yeah, of course, and and he's got less hair than Mark does. Uh, so that's where he and I, I was, share. I was doing something else. It's a little different pigment is that what you said? <laughs> um, all right, Shoki, you've said it all. Unless you have something else to add. Uh, I mean, the Hall of Fame game was kind of a snoozer, but preseason football tends to be like that. Uh, what what was like? Um, what about Mike? Is there Parsons? anything after the game and stuff in terms him. of talking to players and coaches? Just being a media again at like NFL games in that was great. I mean, it was it, there was no specific highlight other than the fact that it was just great to be in a stadium again, mm. um, a largely full stadium, uh, a crowd that you could tell was very excited to just cheer for something together. That was awesome. And yeah, like you said, Mark, Micah Parsons was awesome. Like the Steelers, or not, not the Steelers, the Cowboys nailed that. I think if he stays healthy, mm. I'm really excited to see him on the field in the regular season action. He wasn't on the field very much, but you couldn't, you could not ignore him. I mean, he, he caught right. your eye on almost every play. Some of these opt out dudes from 2020 college, I'm keeping, I, I someone's going to have to write like the analysis of this, but the guys that skipped playing last year, if they, I, I'm just curious how they're going to do, because there's a couple Joe Tryon with the bucks being another one who have Jamar come Chase. out like a, like a house on fire. And if, if players start coming into the NFL, as good or better than they would have been if they had played college football in the first place. Like a whole lot more people are just going to be skipping. That I just, I just football. read about a, a top prospects. He skipped his final year of high school to go to college. Before we know people just right. be like, they're just going to skip everything. They're just going to yeah, go from like seventh grade straight to the NFL. And be like, this is the path. He's going to Ohio state. Cause he's set to make up to a million dollars in NIL money as soon as he gets there. And he might not even play yet. That's Unbelievable. Shooky. Um, thank you, buddy. Uh, great to see you. And, uh, if, if you would be so kind, 
We're going to need your help again come regular season time with Sunday night recaps in the regular season. If you if you can help us out with that, we will be very, very happy. That's not even a question. You already know I'll be here. Cool. All I right. mean, and you get all the Browns games. Mark has surprisingly volunteered to just yeah, cover the Bengals. Almost. No, I'm going to be staging a hold-in to have my salary doubled. That's, <laughs> you know, keep doing the work, but a lot of antagonism. We'll give you all an right. escalator for every Bengals game you do over the Browns. <laughs> Not including Browns Bengals twice a year. Negatory. There he goes. Nick Shook. <laughs> Thanks, guys. The pipe, they call him. Um, one more Hall of Fame note, by the way, before we bring on Seth Payne. A special congratulations to Bob Glauber, friend of the show, oh, yeah. all time good guy, Rockland County guy. Um, and he's worked for Newsday in the New York market uh, for decades. And he received the uh, 2021 Bill Nunn Jr. Award which is given to um, reporters who put in the work for years and years and years. And it's a great recognition of a, a great guy. So Bob Glauber, congratulations on that. That is quite a career achievement. One you know, of the, the nicest guys ever. He, he, well, the first time I ever met Bob, he, you're, you're Greg, you're, you're right. He's just a total gentleman. You know, actually, because he is the Pro Football Writers Association lead right now. He actually called me up. A, like, I don't think so anymore. But, well, all right, but, so he was. Yeah. He called me up to have an earnest, honest conversation about why I could not be allowed into that. And I was like, this guy is an absolutely great guy. But the first time I ever met him was at this other event. He came up and talked about our show a long time ago when it was the four of us with Wes. And he said, I want you to know something. Like, I've been covering football for a really long time. What you have right now, the four of you, is very special, and it won't last forever. And it always stuck with me, but he also was dead on right. He just has good perspective. He's a good person, and he's a great football reporter. Congrats, Bob. Love you, buddy. All right. Now. As promised. God, we love this dude, too. Another another friend of the court. He is the co-host of the morning show on Sports Radio 610 in Houston. He spent 10 years in our league. It's really his league with the Texans and Jaguars. Cornell guy. Ever heard of it? (laughs) It is the great, the legend, Seth Payne. Welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast. Is this, this is live? This is this song? What is this? This is live. This song is live, one of the great rock bands ever, of course. Uh, Pain Lies by the Riverside. I think it works a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's, got the, it's got your name in it, but also there's right now there's a lot of pain in Houston around the Texans. Mm. Um, and like the seminal alt-rock band, um, you're legendary as well. So that's your new uh, intro, if you're cool with that. Yeah, no, that's great. I think they're out of York, PA, too, which is at least like within six hours of where I'm from originally. I mean, yeah. like live, you peaked, you know, 15 years ago. Is that what <laughs> my physical, yeah, my, my peak, my celebrity peak, all of that. It was all. They, I mean, they should have ago. figured out that as the internet grows, if you're attempting to search for live anywhere on the internet, it brings up everything but the band. I mean, just a terrible yeah. tagline. Not exactly prescient on Ed no. Kowalczyk's part there. He, they he were by the far. The dumbest SEO band of the mid nineties. <laughs> uh, well, no, they weren't. That was bare naked ladies. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, Seth, enough of that. Idiocy. You're the man. You are dealing with what are you dealing with? I know you guys are you guys you got that you still got the Astros down there yeah. and you got your heads in the sand about what their reality, but that's good. They're playing great baseball and good stuff on that. But the Texans, what's it like around the Texans right now? Take us through it. It is. You know, when I first got into sports radio, I used to look up synonyms for dumb or stupid because that's a word you use a lot or overuse. You know, look at this nincompoop. Look at this moron. Look at this dullard. Now I've I've realized I've got I've got to start looking up synonyms for weird because (laughs) I found myself saying weird over and over again. This is let me set you the stage uh, for like just today. Today was a day at training camp. Um, we're out there discussing, let's see, how's uh, how's Tyrod Taylor going to look, you know, if he starts 16 games this year? Will Davis Mills potentially start sometime in the first half of the season? Jeff Driscoll is your number three quarterback. I don't know. Meanwhile, meanwhile, mind you, Deshaun Watson is standing right there on the practice field. We're, we're having these conversations about Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills in in. Deshaun Watson standing right there. It's it's really weird. It's strange. It's um, and yet at the same time, I would say that 
the, it hasn't been outwardly as much of a distraction as I would have thought it was. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you can't read dysfunction or mayhem or anything, at least on the faces of the players who are all just trying to make the team. Yeah. And let me set it up as I should have before we started Watson. Um, he practiced on Monday. He, he can't, he reported to camp July 25th. Yeah. And then he, uh, we know he requested the trade, all the legal issues. He practiced for the first five days. He's practicing as a safety or a running back, some, some idiocy. And then he disappeared for five days and now he's back again. Yeah. Uh, and, and let me ask you this, the venerable, uh, John McClain, uh, down there, um, tweeted very matter of factly today, Deshaun Watson will never play another snap for the Texans. Do you believe that as well? Um, I personally, I would believe anything anybody tells me about what will happen three months in the future with this team. But right now, if I had to handicap it, I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to play for the Texans. I think they'd like to trade him. I think the biggest obstacle by far is that you have this extremely murky legal situation that's not any less murky now than it was three months ago, where Deshaun Watson's being accused of sexual assault in the civil courts by 22 women. Uh, there are 10 women who have filed criminal complaints against him for sexual assault during massage therapy sessions. Two of those women aren't part of the lawsuits. You have 18 other women that have vouched for Deshaun Watson who, are, who provided him massage therapy at, at some point. All in all, there's about 45 women that we know of that he's pursued massage therapy uh, from in the past year or so. Uh, it, they, his attorney has at least admitted to consensual sexual activity within some of these massages, which would sound a whole lot like prostitution. And, and guys, I'm going to tell you, Greg, I think I heard you a couple weeks ago talk about how largely it seems like people have stayed hands off with this because it's such a it's so complicated and there's just almost no way to talk about it without like spending 20 minutes explaining all the vagaries of it. So I'll stop right there trying to explain the details. There's no, it there doesn't look like there's any end in sight. Deshaun Watson it does not want to settle, according to all reports. If he did settle, it would, according to his attorney, only be if there was no non-disclosure. So like usually somebody settles and that's it. They don't want any of the plaintiffs to talk about it. Deshaun is actually saying, no, I want to talk about it. I want to be able to tell my side of the story. And it looks like there might not be any clarity on the legal side of things until next January, February, when Deshaun Watson would first be interviewed by, um, by, the, by the attorneys. So I, I think that this is going to be a murky situation. The commissioner's exemplus is probably going to happen at some point, And nobody trades for him until next spring. That's my personal read on it right now. Right, and that that makes all the sense in the world. Everything you just said, except for like what's going on this week. Like someone make a decision. Yeah, someone make a decision. Whether it's the Texans or the NFL, ultimately, I I understand why Watson, just where he is right now, is showing up to work. So you you need to take it out of his hands because you said it's like murk. You know, as murky as it was three months ago, it's murkier because the criminal investigation is going on, and that that wasn't. Uh, the case initially and that that's that brings a you know potential jail time it's everything and yeah everyone's saying like they're managing it great like that's fine the the guy who just turned your whole franchise over to is there in the building it's it's got to be on everyone's mind it's got to be weird to use uh to use your word and like david cully like i know everyone's gonna say well he's getting paid great money to do this like he's not he's not getting paid enough to just like look like uh, a ham and egger up there trying to answer these questions that are impossible to answer every day. They're, the Texans organization are putting him in a terrible uh, spot by like rolling him out there. And I just, I don't understand like where, and like, if this is going to end before the season, like do it now. And if it's not like, I don't know. You, you've got like do something NFL, do something Texans. I don't know. I, I, I think so. I'll tell you my theory and I've received some positive feedback on this theory, but I think at least part of the Texans strategy right now is, Hey, everybody was going to wait and see if Deshaun Watson showed up or not. You know, once all these allegations came out, Deshaun had, Deshaun had threatened to, well, I, Deshaun had asked for the trade back in January. That was before all the allegations came out. But the question would be, okay, what happens if Deshaun shows up? And I think there, there are likely at least a couple things going on with the Texans. One is that 
they perhaps just wanted to make it as uncomfortable as possible for Deshaun Watson so that he would either consider waiving his no trade clause if that were a factor or or B, that he might decide, all right, this isn't worth it, I'm leaving. Then the Texans could start fining him, perhaps getting him a conduct detrimental, voiding some of the guarantees. There's that. And then there's also the possibility that the general manager, Nick Casario, just flat out doesn't want to let this precedent of a, a disgruntled player being able to just say, well, my ankle hurts and uh, I'm going to stay over in the training room. And, and that's where we are. I'm with you, Greg. And the Texans have not earned any they've, – they've not earned the benefit of the doubt with anything they've done over the last two years, except now that they're in this situation – I don't I really don't know what the what the correct avenue out of it is. You know, do you wait until next spring when you can maybe get three or four first round picks? Do you do you just try to dump them off right now and well, honesty? How about yeah. occasionally answering questions honestly? Because he's he's lining up as their fourth string quarterback. So it's you know, how, how about do something with like integrity and just tell tell the public uh, which you don't think you owe anything to, except you're asking for season tickets to be bought. Um, how about being transparent with them? Well, that's a lot to ask in the NFL, Greg. That's uh, that's uh, that that might be a that's a tall glass of water to ask somebody to suck sure. down. And look, this is look, this is the team that when they hired Nick Casario from New England. They they sat at the press conference and said, "Hey, we don't want to be called New England South anymore." <laughs> like you're just you're introducing a guy that you just hired from New England. This is this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to be New England South. So that part that part's been super awkward because David Culley, who I'm still convinced that probably 85 percent of NFL fans, when I say David Culley, don't know who the hell I'm talking about. He's the head coach. Um, Hasn't been a coordinator in the NFL. Hell of a nice guy. Almost almost too nice, I think, because he's the one that is is left to answer questions every week. And I think they've given him his marching orders about what he should and shouldn't say. And he has a really, really hard time with it. And I like I, I'd like to say he inherited this situation, but he accepted the job when he knew that Deshaun was was asking for a trade. It's it's a it's an absolute mess. Do you think that a theory I have here, Seth, is with with Cully, and I hope it's not true, but you, he's an older guy. He gets a chance to be head coach, so of course you're going to take the job. But then I wonder if behind the scenes the Texans aren't looking for their future at head coach. They're just looking someone for someone to manage this absolute catastrophe for the organization, a, a good guy to take the bullets. And then when it comes time to move forward, with whatever comes up next with this organization, Cully will be shown the door as well. And I guess he'll be paid well for it. But I just wonder, in terms of the integrity of the hiring process, if Cully is ever going to get a chance uh, to really lead this organization onward out of this particular mess. I, I think you're exactly on the right track there, Dan. And that's what's scary, because if there's one thing you know about the NFL you really can't have a master plan. There is no, hey, this is how things are going to work out over the next three, four, or five years because things change every single year. You have different different issues pop up. And and I know, look, one player told me that, that Jack Easterby, the director of team development or whatever the hell he is right now, during the season told him that this might not be a, a one-coach fix. They're going to be the second coach that gets you out of here. So I think that that's very much that's very much in play for for what they're thinking. So don't don't worry. There's a plan. That's the you know, like as a, as a drunken bridge builder tells you as uh, as his pants are falling down around his ankles. Don't worry, we've got a plan. You'll be fine. You'll get through this storm. You know, I mean, you also worry about someone like Nick Casario, who I think you know is a very potentially talented general manager tiring out and going back to New England like some people do if this thing gets ugly enough. But you are down there. You're dealing with you. Know, I think about the fans, too. you got all these people that have been Texans fans since 2002, and there seems to be this massive disconnect, more so than any team in the league and, and more so than any franchise I can think of right now, where, you know, the owner, this Jack Easterby guy, and the rest of them, they're all talking left and right, and they're trying to t- act like there's all this integrity around what they're doing. And the fans have been completely, you know, tossed out the side of a moving car by the side of a road. I mean, we are dealing with these guys calling in all the time. What is that? Are the are, are there fans out there that are saying we just want to see Deshaun Watson no matter what happened? Or are most people thinking like this is a train wreck? They got to find a way out of this thing. What's the mental state of this badgered fan base? I don't think there's a consensus necessarily right now, and. One of the one of the weird moments out at camp this year was Deshaun was out there the first few days. Okay, that was strange. 
then the first day that fans were allowed in, the Texans allow about 2,000 fans in. They've got a nice covered area. And at one point during practice, a We Want Deshaun cheer started started coming up. We want Deshaun. We want Deshaun. And I think it was the next day that Deshaun stopped coming out to practice um, before. So that that little hiatus there they had. So I don't know if that was team motivated. I don't know if that was Deshaun motivated, whatever it might be. There, there's some people, and I guess, you know, that, Mark, is the other dynamic here that's interesting is you, you ask, okay, which which GM is going to trade for Deshaun Watson? Because there's a PR component there. You're, you've got this guy that's accused by, of sexual assault by many, many women. Is because of the complexity of this thing and because of the nature of it, if Deshaun were to settle, if Deshaun were to settle in Houston and if somehow the, the criminal charges you know weren't filed and he never faced charges, I think because it is so complex, you know how it is with the public. If it's if it's if you want the public to know a really really complex news story, it's not going to happen because people want to hear give it to me in three sentences and let me know how to feel about it. And this this case isn't quite like that. It's all these individual cases with different accounts from different women. Um, some of the cases are likely much much stronger than some of the other cases. And I think that if he gets if he were to settle and go to another town, I think that would it would probably be easier to smooth over than it, than it would be locally or with some other fan bases or with some other other types of transgressions. You know, I, I those... think that's true, but it also makes me believe the actors trying to trade Watson now, whether that's Watson's camp or the Texans, are comically full of themselves that they think another team would go for him now with the criminal investigation up in the air. I just, I just think it it's so tone deaf and I don't think it's working. I think, I think you've seen like these little rumors pop up that are quickly squashed down. No, no one's trading for a guy who could be going to jail for sexual assault. Like, sorry, <laughs> like I, whoever is like endeavoring to want to do that, like that's not going to happen for you. <laughs> and that's where, yeah, and that's where it gets really confusing because we don't know. Okay, every attorney is going to say, well, look, my client's not settling. We don't want to settle. But is it perhaps closer to him settling? And in which case, a, a lot of times, if the women that are part of the, the women, there's only two women that have filed criminal complaints, but that aren't also part of the lawsuit so far that we know of. So would the vast majority of those go away, the criminal complaints go away if you were to settle? That's one of the big X factors. But you're right, Greg. I think in terms of asking for transparency from the team, if they if they wanted to be completely transparent, I think they'd have to say, look, there's no end in sight for this legal matter. We're probably not going to get the right price or the fair price for Deshaun until we know exactly what's going on there. So we're just going to put him on hiatus. And they might just be waiting for the league to put Deshaun on the commissioner's exempt list to be able to do that. Mm. I, I agree. From a PR standpoint, I you know, frankly, I don't I don't I just don't think they're as adept and I don't think they have the pull and the sway with the league office that maybe some other ownership groups would. Mm. Um Interesting. Seth, you've said it all, but before you leave, I'd love you to get in a plug. You have a podcast as well, the Deceptively Fast. It's the Deceptively podcast. Fast podcast. I got a feeling I that heard. you might have been called that at some point during your career. I was a grinder. I wasn't, you know, that much of an athlete, but I was just a football player, damn it. I remember Gary Moeller. One time I had a really great play, and um, I had a really great play, which was, was actually like maybe one of the more impressively athletic plays of my career, and Gary Moeller was was watching the play, trying to compliment <laughs> me, but insulting me the entire time. <laughs> what you've got here is a guy that I'll tell you, he's not the fastest guy. He's not that strong, ugly at birth. Mother didn't love him, but look at him. That's just a football player. That's a lunch pail guy. <laughs> well, you had the double thing yeah. working, Seth. You, you're, a, you're a big white guy. Yeah. Um, and you were Ivy League educated, so you had mm. that like what Ryan Fitzpatrick gets as well, where it's like, well, he he obviously he's smart, he's yeah, diligent, he works hard. You had yeah. you had two things working simultaneously. Well, and just like Ryan Fitzpatrick, to try to counteract that, I did some really stupid things on the football field. I mean, I jumped <laughs> offside three times in one half before as a nose tackle. I mean, that, if there's other, if I can't fight, if I can't fight the perception that way, I don't know what I could do. <laughs> all right, Seth. Uh, said it all let's hit Seth's theme music to, as, as we uh, sign him off 
And again, follow him at Seth. Seth performed shirtless a lot, if I remember, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, all, all the time. We uh, hope to have you, um, you know, talk about Nico Collins and the wide receiver battle or something else to do with the, the Texans at some point. So. He's one of those opt-out guys that you said uh, might might show up Ooh. and really excel. With a better quarterback, you might uh, be really excited to watch Nico yeah, Collins this year. He might, now, I, I like Payne to be agitated. I do this. I think that you, you've, you've hit a home run with us because you're sort of always – Bent out of shape and a little agitated with the and franchise, which I enjoy. You didn't take the bait with that Astros uh, dig either. So that, I mean, just a class act. So. I'm, in, I'm immune to that. I'm immune to Astros. Tra- oh, no. Oh, did somebody sneak an inflatable trash can into the stadium and they threw it into right field? Oh, you you clever, clever folks. Let me tell, tell you another thing. These kids, I don't know if you guys saw this or not. Yeah. This, this, this pavilion full of 12-year-olds chanting bleep El Tuve, bleep El Tuve, as they're, as they're drooling and salivating and oh-so-proud fathers stood around filming it on their cell phones. I, I, just go ahead. Go ahead. The one, the one guy that refused to participate, well, one of several that refused to participate in the cheating scandal, a five-foot-six kid out of Venezuela who, who, whose parents made about one one-hundredth of what your your rich and fancy parents made. I can't wait. I can't wait until you're arrested trying to buy meth your sophomore year at Brown or something. Don't how, do like you, how do you deserve Jose Altuve? Don't act like that too. He was wired for sound in the ALCS in 18, and you know it. I'm out. I'm out. All right. There he goes. Thanks, Seth. <laughs> wow. Okay. He, he painted a picture there. The meth sophomore at Brown. I'll buy that. Um. All right. Wow. I mean, you want to talk about two of the great contributors to the program, Seth Payne and Nick Shook. Thank you to both of them for joining us today. We'll be back on Wednesday. A little bit of a different schedule this week with some things moving around and also with uh, the preseason kicking off for all 32 teams on Thursday. So our next podcast will be on Wednesday, our NFL Network program will be on, well, is it air on Friday morning or Thursday? No, one I believe Friday morning, taping Thursday, but that's of no import to anyone, but it's, it will be on television, I believe, Friday. Although I could be wrong. Well, maybe the great we'll, thing we'll about get it. back to you with info yeah. on that. We're going to clarify that on Wednesday's program. But uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, until then. Heed the call.